Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. James chapter 1. Grab your Bible. Let's get into the Word of God. James chapter 1. I'm excited to speak this morning. I want to hurry up. I don't have a lot of time, but I do have, I believe, a lot of grace for this. And I want to begin to read you this and help us understand that God's Word is so vital in our life. And we're going to go over some things today. Just, if you will, you can take notes and so you can have it in your memory bank and review this. You can download my notes for free on the, our app. If you had not downloaded our mobile app, please do that because it's a great way to stay connected to us other than social media. But you can download my notes from today, go back home and study and review them. But we are here to help you and be a blessing to you and your family. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this in the NLT. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. We must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James chapter 1 verse 19. Verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth. Cause anger filth, right? That's interesting. And evil in your life, James says. And humbly accept the word of God. See, that's the disposition you should have when you read the Bible. Humility. And humbly accept the word of God. The word, the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to the word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you walk and look carefully, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets us free. See, that's what God intends for us to feel when we read the word of God is freedom, not condemnation. Freedom. When you look at it from the proper perspective of God, letting you see and understand what the whole motive is, is to set you free. So you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like but if you look into the careful if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard don't forget what you heard that's very key i believe it's very important to not just be under the preaching but hear your own voice as you read the word of god aloud because words make a difference your words have power don't forget what you heard then god will bless you for doing it how many of you want to be blessed by god and walk in the blessings of god how many of you know you're blessed by god but want to be continually in the favor and blessings of god we're going to give you the secret for that today and according to the scripture and we want to help you so let's just pray right now one more time pray over the service will you do that with us will you agree with us that we're going to have a moment that God's going to reveal to us and show us what the Word of God says to help us right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for everything that you are doing and have done so far. But Lord, we anticipate that the rest of this service, that every person watching and those that are here are going to receive wisdom and guidance and direction and liberty and freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody say, I agree. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap ahead of time and tell him, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And you can be seated here in Jesus' wonderful, matchless, mighty, holy name. How many of you have ever walked up to a mirror that you bought from the store and it was warped? I mean, it looked great while you were in the store. They had it positioned just right. But when you get home, you recognize, oh, no, I bought a clown mirror. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Where your body's like super long and your legs are super short. Or you see a little bit where you're like, okay, that, I don't like the way that mirror looks. It looks like I look bigger. 
right? It's like this makes me look fatter, bigger. Well, that's just me. A lot of times our, our, our eyesight, really our understanding spiritually, isn't properly assessed or isn't properly functioning spiritually the way it should. And I use the word function because there are some spiritual mechanics to, to properly having a God perspective in your life. There are some things that are necessary for us to do with action, like prayer. Prayer is some of the mechanics that help our perspective. Reading the word of God is something that's part of the mechanics of, of developing spiritual eyesight and, and also understanding God's word. So faith alone doesn't do it. Faith is powerful, faith is necessary, but faith without works is dead. And so we have to begin to look at the very things that Jesus did in order to help ourselves and know who we are. So the title today, I'm sure you've seen it already, it's right behind me, but on the screen, it's how do you see yourself is the question today. We want to help everybody see themselves the way God sees you, not the way we see you. Or not the way your neighbor sees you or your friends see you. Because everybody has their opinion about you, but God has a truth and a fact about you. Not an opinion, but God is truth. And the way God sees us, the way God relates to us, has a lot to do with his own son that came into the world. God in the flesh manifested himself and walked in this world and there are different writers who wrote about the accounts of this. We've got four Gospels, four books that begin the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them give different accounts of the life and the ministry of Jesus. But when you read the book of John, more particularly, you can see many times where Jesus said, I am. He gave a declaration of his person, his deity, and his ministry. There are probably seven for sure, but there's eight, if you look closely, of accounts where Jesus used the two words to describe himself before he described himself, the two words being, I am. You find the first one when you look at it in book, the book of John where Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who walks, he who believes in me shall never thirst, John 6 and 35. And you can write that down if you like. The second scripture you can write down is John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. So he's giving the people signs and which direction they need to go. If they're, if they're spiritually hungry, then then they need to recognize who he is. He was the bread of life. If they're blind in a world, then they can't recognize and discern and understand the signs of the times and where they're at and where they're going. Then he said, I am the light of the world. I am, then he goes, I am the door in John 10 and 9. He said, anyone who enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The words, I want to build a relationship with you. I want you to enter into my presence, and when you go out to live your life in the world, you're going to be blessed in my presence and in the presence of others. And you'll always find a place of rest and favor. John 10, 11 said that he said, I am the good shepherd, and a good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Again and again, and in John, the 11th chapter, 2 Sisters come to Jesus and begin to tell him that he's too late. His brother's dead. And Jesus said, I know he's he just sleeping. That was his perspective. But the reason why he was able to make a very strong declaration like this is because we find out in his response to them when they said, well, we know he's going to rise up again at the resurrection. But Jesus corrects them and tells them, I know, 
I am the resurrection. I am. Someone say, I am. John 14, he said, I am the way, truth, and the life. And then he establishes a relationship between him and the Father and kind of, give, kind of sort of gives a, a good detail on how it happens and how it really works. I love it when the Lord gives depictions of, of or analogies or, uh, of, of things that we can see and visualize. He taught in parables and he taught almost to the point where even a child should be able to understand. When you have an experience with God, going back to the word of God will help you understand that experience. It'll help you understand what just happened because God gives you the eyes to see. And, and Jesus said, even as it was for me, I'm going to tell you, he said in John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He said, except you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can do nothing. But he says, I, I know where my strength and my help comes from. It, it, it kind of shows us how our relationship should be with Jesus, through Jesus to the Father. How Jesus understood who he was because he knew who his daddy was. Jesus had confidence. He wasn't speaking from an arrogant perspective. He wasn't speaking from a condescending position, disposition. He was speaking from a place called love. He knew he was loved by the Father. He knew how it was from father to son. And he said, you may look at me and I'm the vine and you can see the fruit that's being produced from me, but it's because of my father he keeps certain things out of my life. He protects me, and he gives me the resources to grow. If it wasn't for the Father, I wouldn't be able to be this spiritually confident. How many of you believe that our confidence comes from the Lord and every good and perfect gift, as Pastor Caleb mentioned, is it comes from God, and it's so, it's so vital to understand our source and where our resources come from. And the eighth place in the book of John where Jesus identified himself with the two words, I am. It's when the Pharisees and the scribes in John chapter 8 and verse 58, where they look at Jesus and Jesus tells them, you may not be happy, I'm paraphrasing, to see me, but Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. And they were so upset about that and they became offended and, and they said you're not even 50 years old how can you say Abraham saw my day and rejoice when you're not even that old and Jesus replied to them and said before Abraham was I am not adding anything else with the two words I am but solidifying and equating himself to the very words that he was told, that God told Moses. It's the only other place outside of that moment where God interacted with somebody. One of the only places in the book where you find Moses going to the top of the mountain and the top where he's shepherding and he finds a burning bush. And out of that burning bush, there's a voice that comes out and says, when Moses asked, who are you? And God said, I'm the I am. Meaning that God is everything. God is self-existent. He can be anything he wants to be. He is God all by himself. He is capable. He is able. He is powerful. His identifying himself with Moses began to have an impact on his effectiveness in Moses' life. God was able to be effective through Moses because Moses received that identity of God. And so, according to Revelation, everybody in the scripture that received a particular revelation about God, that's where God anointed them and how God used them. To Abraham, he would have to be everything to him to bring God's people out. He would have to be his deliverer, his provider, his healer, his warrior, his general he would have to be his prophet 
everything. So he knew that in his life he would be more than what he was to Abraham when, when he said to Abraham and showed himself and became Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. He wasn't just going to provide. He was going to be all things to Moses. So Moses, he wasn't limited in his access to God. But the scripture says that Moses was the type of Jesus. So when Jesus stepped into this world, he began to identify himself as the I am. The full expression of the invisible God in the Old Testament now manifested himself in the world and began to tell people who he was because he knew who he was. The very first battle that Jesus faced was the temptation in the wilderness and it concerned his identity as the son of God when the devil himself asked Jesus, if you are the son of God, then do this and then do that. That was the trial. The test for him was his identity, questioning his identity. I don't believe we're far from that experience concerning the church. Right now, there's a lot of Christians questioning their identity in Christ and their own identity. There's so many people that are buying into a system right now and a cultural thinking, way of thinking that's totally contrary to the Bible. And because they don't know who they are, they conform to who they are. And, and just like in the days of, of Moses and the days of Jesus, the church finds itself in an identity crisis. I really believe, not everybody, but if we're looking not just by church to church, but the church of the body of Christ as a whole, we've got some problems. Not in this church, right? We're perfect, right? <laughs> Do you know who you are? If you want to get the full impact of this message, go to Wednesday night service and find out your value. But then when you understand the value, you understand who you are because who's inside of you. But when you look at yourself in the word of God and see yourself, you're going to have one or two perspectives. God's perspective are the world and your flesh, carnal mind, feelings, emotional perspective because of trouble and challenges the point I'm trying to make and build a foundation for is the fact that I do believe the most powerful words in the English language are the two words I am because what follows after I am is how you identify yourself there are some people that feel that they are below their privileges. There are some people that feel intimidated, worried, fearful, frustrated. When we begin to feel these uncertain emotions and we begin to feel that the tire, you know, just the, the weariness right now because of the stress of the time that we're in in this nation right now, even in our own city, and what we're dealing with, people with different opinions, people with different perspectives. Uh, everyone has an opinion, but when you know who you are and you don't have to say much in order for God to vindicate you. There are certain people that Jesus came across that he didn't feel he had to open up his mouth and tell them. When, when Herod said, are you the son or who was it? Was it Herod? You're the king? Pilate. You're the, you're the king, and Jesus said, you say that I am. And now you, you and I are, are caught in the middle. And it's not, do you believe there's a God? Because now the word God, when someone comes up to you now, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, but you have to have wisdom and understanding and not be blind in the moment in the hour that we are living in you were chosen for such a time as this folks we were chosen to live in this area not to conform to the culture but to be transformed by the word of god and be a testimony 
So when someone comes up to you and says, I believe in God, you better make sure that they have your God. Because not everybody worships the same God. And I'm going to go a step further. Not everybody worships the same Jesus. And the only way you can validate that, your identity in Christ, is to see him in your life and to understand. Understand one thing, that it's through him we move, we live, and we have our being. All good things come from him. And I celebrate the wins of my life because I understand God gave me victory. God gave me blessing. God gave me opportunity. God gave me good health. And that may sound illogical and rational to a lot of intellects in the sense of, you know, that, that, that's not true. I mean, that didn't happen because of God. It happened because you worked hard. That didn't happen because God blessed you with, you know, a, 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 an opportunity. It was your hard work. There's an element of our participation, but God gives us the grace and gives us the opportunities and gives us the strength and you woke up this morning, you thought, you thought it was all you, but you know what? Let me tell you something. The mercy of God met you at the end of your, at the end of your bed and said, I'm here, I'm here, and you're going to step in my path today. You're going to walk with my grace. I need him every day. I hope, that's why I'm just reciting to you what David said when he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I don't walk without him. You might think I did it without him, but I know I did it with him. But only you can know that. You can spend a year trying to tell people who you are, but rather they want to see by action. But it's your words that are going to make all the difference in the world. It's going to be your words. And where do you think you get those words from that's going to transform your life? The only source that we have with words powerful enough to change our DNA, to change us from a sinful nature to a godly nature, is the Word of God. And the Word of God becomes spirit, and it begins to function in our life and transform our life. We have to be careful how we see ourselves and what we say about ourselves. I don't think it was arrogant for Jesus. He had every right to be. He was God in the flesh. He had every right to say, I am. A big declaration. But you, because of Christ in your life, you have the right to say as well, I am blessed. I am a recipient of the blessings of God. I am a son of God. I am. Someone say, I am. I am. I'm not God, but I am a son of God. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is high on the food chain. Yeah, it's up there. I'll show you in a moment. But your words can change your world. Your words make a huge difference. I want to show you a study, a study by a, a, a scientist by the name of Masuru Emoto. He is a Japanese businessman, an author, a scientist who did a study for over two decades on the power that words have on just water, on water. He wrote a book that became a, a bestseller. It was called The Hidden Message in Water. And what he did for over 20 years, he took a special microscope and he it had the ability to take a photo, whatever was on the other end of it that you can see. And as you saw, the molecular structure, such as water, underneath it, you can take a quick photo. And he learned how to capture the water and its molecular structure by freezing it instantly. And when he froze it, he'd take the snapshot when he saw the structure of it. And what he figured out was is that there are different types of structure with water. Everyone knows that the main source of it is, 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 if it is uh, H2O. Two parts hydrogen with one part oxygen, right? So, so he took it further and said, you know, water is comprised of a gas and water is comprised of, I wonder what would happen if we released what's in us, spirit, words, emotions, towards that, what would happen? And he did. They would take a small container and put it in the middle of a table. 
and he would get a group of people around it. He even brought children in with their families to see this at different times. And they would have that little area right there, and they would all stand around it, and they would begin to say things to it. Sounds crazy, right? Releasing emotion towards it. Hatred, love, encouragement. And what they recognized was that with every different release, the structure of water began to take a different form. And they captured it. Here are the pictures of some of the examples that they had. When they started to share gratitude and releasing it, thank you is the top row on the left-hand side. The first one, look at the form. Look at the shape of it. It changes form. When they started giving it wisdom and started sharing it, enlightening it, and then it took on another form. Truth. Eternal truth. The second row, they started to refer to angels. And then the second one in the second row, from left to right, they started sharing love. And that's one of the prettiest ones up there. They started giving peace. Then the very last one on the second row, they would shout at it, you fool. Look how distorted it is. The last row, again, they started being ugly to the water and said, you make me sick, and look how sick it looks. This is literally happening in real time. They did this over and over and over for twen over 20 years. And they froze it, took a picture of it, and he wrote a book and began to share it. Evil is the second one. But I want you to look at the last two, if you can see that. Look at the last two on the bottom, third row to the right, all the way to the right, the last two. It, the first one is polluted water before prayer. The one next to it is the same water, the same water, same sample, but they started praying for it, and look at the form it took. What's interesting to me is if they can pray and influence a little pan of water, a little glass of water, and our body is made up of 60% water or so. More than that now, I think research has found. But in the average person, hydrated or dehydrated, I don't know. The brain of the heart is comprised of 73% water. The lungs, 83%. The skin, 64%. Muscle, kidneys, 79%. Bones, 31%. And if regular water, and if that's what our body's mostly comprised of, how much more are our words affecting us? And it helped me realize, no wonder, even God himself made a declaration of who he was because he needed to hear it. Because we needed to understand it. And Jesus said it. And he put it in the scripture. The power of life and death is found in the what? Tongue. And the things that we speak. And in the moment when God needs our words to be strong, we're succumbed to fear. And our words are compromised, and we take no stand, and we say no word, but we have emotion. I believe even if you don't say a word, the spirit that you have will affect your body still. Point number one, your words will change you. This is just an example of water. But can you Think for one moment about how powerful, much more powerful your words will be on you and the lives of other people when they're anointed by God. What is actually taking place there? 
Is there a transference that we would see the presence of God in every molecule of our body? There are some people who have actually taken scientific evidence to seek out the things of God and validate it. And by the way, science was meant to confirm God, not discredit him. I believe in science. I love science. But every time I get into science, it just makes me realize there's a God in heaven, and he's in this world, and we are blessed by him. What a privilege. So you'll find me every once in a while say, man, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I feel good. We're so blessed because you need to hear it. We need to say it. We need to understand the impact of our words. You are not just somebody or anybody. You are a child of God given the nature of God. And your God said, you're in my image. What others say about you doesn't matter as much as what you say about yourself. But if you're not saying anything, you can almost hurt yourself just as much. Because your words, you need to hear it. Case in point, I'll give you scripture for it. God told Joshua, if he's going to take the promised land, he said, never let the word of God depart from your mouth. Speak it. Release it if you want good success. He didn't say just success. He said good, superior, more than average success. Release the word. It's very important to understand this because, because here, here's what you have to know. Your words will change you. But a lot of people, a lot of people in the world and a lot of people in the church, they don't love themselves the way they need to. Now, you know, I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'm guilty of looking in the mirror and going, man, those pants are way too tight on me. I mean, I don't like myself. What happened to my hair? <laughs> right? Where did the glasses come into play? I didn't have to wear glasses when I, I mean, I hate the way I look. And, and, and honestly, I, I mean, there have been times I've been frustrated because the, the pants shrunk in the dryer, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, but honestly, I'm not that down on myself. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I just... I'm a proud little peacock sometimes, and my wife has to keep me humble. <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that I have seen myself in God's word many times, and I thought, oh, I don't measure up to this. And I've been guilty of discrediting myself by saying and making me feel like all I can see is a sinner. That's the problem. A false doctrine came into the church years ago I believe it was a false humility where everyone used the excuse for sinning and saying we're all just sinners anyways and when we use that as a cover up we have no personal incentive to live any other way but except by totally being dependent we are already dependent on the mercy of God but not allowing the grace of God to take us further in our limitations and failures. You're not just, you're not a sinner. If you're living for God and sin isn't part of your lifestyle, the sinful nature was done away with at Calvary and then by the blood of Jesus and by the spirit of Christ inside of you. So we may sin every once in a while, make mistakes, but the blood of Jesus even covers that. But if you're like me, imperfect, but yet you know every day I've got another chance to fall at his feet, to get things right, to say I'm sorry, to love him with all of my heart. Unless I pursue the love of God, I'm not going to feel like loving nobody if I don't love myself. And that's not a selfish phrase right there. To love yourself isn't a sin. To say something confident about yourself is not a sin. It's a reassurance. It's feeling good about the way God created you. You're complimenting God by saying, 
Thank you, Lord. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be vain, God, but I'm wonderfully and fearfully made, and I know I am. I know that every gift I've got, you've given me the ability to act on these talents and, and the way I think and the way I talk, the way I walk, the way my structure, my DNA, everything. You made me this way, God, so I'm saying thank you. Thank you, God. I mean, you've you got to understand that at some point you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you are more than what you see. You are more than what you see. Jesus said this when the, when the religious people came up to him in Mark 12, 29, and 31. What's the most important commandment? Jesus said the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important, equally important. Love your neighbor as who? As yourself. Now, I understand this talking about pampering your flesh and putting you first sometimes. But if you don't love yourself, and don't appreciate your indifference. Loving people don't love other people. I mean, let me rephrase that. People who don't feel loved don't show it. People who are insecure have not accepted who they are. And when insecurity begins to overrun you, you have lost your identity and forgotten that you're loved by God and that you are so valuable to him and so important for him, to him. He loved you enough to give his life for you. Which is hard for the, for the intellect world, the intellectual world to understand that one God could be an individual savior to every single person, a personal savior. But he is God. That's what makes him God. He has always got time for you. He always has an ear for you. He always has the solution and the answers for you. He said he would never leave you or forsake you. The problem is not what does God think about us, but it's what we think about ourselves and God, I believe, wants us to have a healthy perspective in who we are as the church. A healthy perspective in who we are. So I'm here to contend with the truth that it's, I believe, impossible to truly love others without the love of God. It's impossible to fulfill the second equally important commandment that Jesus said to love others as yourself if you don't even love yourself and appreciate who God made you to be. And the moment we lose that is the moment that we become a reservoir and we reserve our talents, reserve our abilities, discredit ourselves, and someone out there suffers because of it. But there is somebody waiting for secure, loving Christians that aren't arrogant you understand what I'm talking about, but have a full understanding that Jesus gave their life for them. And the reason why they look different is because they were meant to reach somebody else that was different, possibly like them, and everybody has a purpose. I don't know if you know this, but the suicide rate in Victoria is very high for being such a small town. What would happen if we started praying, God, I love you. And let me spend enough time in your presence to feel the love of God so I can see myself the way you see me and I can feel confident enough to go out and reach somebody. And could it be possible, Lord, that you would lead me down the right path to the right person at the right time and the right place and show them that they're valuable, that their life means something, that you love them with all of your heart as well, that you have a plan for them. Insecure people don't do that. Insecure people are trying to cover up their insecurities with things. That's religion. I believe, uh, I want you to think about this, but this is just, this has come to me. 
I believe Cain, the incident with Cain and Abel, I believe Cain had an insecurity problem. He had to produce something out of his own works to validate himself to God that he was good enough. He grew something, thought it was great, it was something he did, so he had to prove it to show his worth. But Abel found the life of another and found value in the animal and said, it's not about me. It's about this animal being worthy and acceptable unto God. And he was secure in the fact that he just had to be obedient to what God said and take care of the rest. And God blessed Abel. Even though Cain did what he did, the blood of Abel cried from the ground. And God vindicated him later down the road. But whenever we aren't secure in our identity, we will use everything else and other options and resources to make up the difference. When all along, all God wanted us to do was just accept who you are in him. Because it's more, God can do more with that than he could with any of our talents, inabilities, finances, resources, whatever it may be. Our identity in Christ is enough. Our identity in Christ is enough. So what happens when we start looking inside the mirror? Let me show you this real quick. Bear with me for just a moment. Some of you probably saw that, what it said. Most of the time, whenever we begin to look into the word of God, this is what we do. And this is what a religious mindset does. A religious mindset will begin to show you all your wrongs in your life. Every place you fall short. If you read the word of God without the spirit of God, in other words, without being prayerful, you'll begin to see your limitations as a sinner and will never step out in faith as someone who's been empowered. So as a sinner, you'll meet other sinners and say, we're all sinners. And instead of going to them and saying, you're more than this and God can forgive you. And there's power to change from the spirit of God. And the name of Jesus isn't limited. And you give hope to somebody. Because right now what's happening in the world is, is that the church has been given a guilt trip for someone who's having an identity crisis because the church doesn't know who she is. So we're not coming with the answers. We're coming with the sympathy. And accepting it, I'm not saying challenge it. I'm saying accept God's plan over any other plan. God's truth over anybody's opinion. Ooh. Okay, I wasn't going to say something, but you know me, I'm going to say it. I saw an interview with a male, a male who was white, a white male, born in America. Now hear me out. Born in America, who decided one day he is not going to be a male anymore, but he wants to be a female. And not just that, he doesn't want to be an American. He's a Filipino. So when they asked him, who are you? He said, I'm a female. I'm a Filipino female. I'm a Dunkin' Donut. <laughs> I mean, that's easy to do. I'm making fun, but, but the truth is, is that somewhere along the line, someone didn't experience the love of God. 
identity crises are happening all around the nation because someone's looking for an answer and they're wanting to become something that they're not. But when you realize that you are so valuable to God that he gave his life for you, you started celebrating, embracing who you really are and what God brings you out to be and then know that it doesn't just stop there. God can change your life. God can transform you. God can get rid of the sin. And when you look in the mirror, you've got a mindset already. I don't want to read the Bible because I'm going to find everything in there I'm supposed to stop doing. Instead of looking at it and getting a different perspective. Ah, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. But getting a different perspective. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? But, but what we really have to see is that when we go in to the presence of God, how does God want us to see ourselves? And this is what I believe. You're forgiven. So get out of the limitations and out of a religious mindset and stop limiting yourself in every way. Take the boundaries off of God and let God anoint you and use you and step out by faith because you have every right to be there. You're forgiven by God. I didn't say perfect. You're forgiven by God. Therefore, you have every right to shout it on the mountaintops in your sphere of influence that I am forgiven and I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I am blessed and highly favored. I'm going to tell you what I do every once in a while, and you can think I'm crazy if you want to. I don't care. I, I care a little bit, but <laughs> I look at myself in the mirror, and I just kind of, you handsome little devil. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I look at myself in the mirror, and I say to myself, Bobby, you are rich in God's grace. You are blessed and highly favored. Your children will live for God and carry a legacy. Everything you do, God blesses what you do because of the favor in your life. You're favored because you're covered by the blood. Don't listen to everybody else. You are blessed. You are blessed. Does that sound crazy? You don't know what's happening, but what just happened right now, I just pictured all the water in my whole body started to turn into a pretty little snowflake. I just pictured the Holy Ghost just kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we're turning in, they're, they're not snowflakes, maybe they're just crosses all over our body, just changing. I don't know what it is, I'm being hypothetical, but I'm going to tell you something, your words are killing you. You need to start speaking the right things. Your words have power, your words have authority, your words can change your life. Stop speaking fear. Stop speaking worry. Stop speaking things that are tearing down your emotions and your health. Let God begin to work in your life. Somebody give him a shout of praise and tell him, change me, Lord. Point number two and the last point, and we're getting out of here. God sees you in his likeness. Now, remember, this represents the word of God here. But it can also be, it can also really be practical. It goes both ways, really, because when you read the word of God, you should never feel, you should feel hope. And, and say, when you find something challenging, is that, oh, thank God, challenging doctrine, word, truth, is challenging you to accept the change. So it's an opportunity for you to receive the goodness of God. So we go to the mirror of God's word to look at ourselves to see what we need to do to be conformed to his image. Genesis 1, 27 and 31. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. That's what God did. He blessed us. That refers to us, all humanity. The true intention that God had for everybody was to be fruitful, to multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, look, I have given every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Look, I'm blessing you. It's yours. And I've given every green plant as for all the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything ha that has life. 
And listen to this. And that is what happened. But then God looked over all he had made. And he saw it that it was very good. I'm going to stop right there. Did you know that every other day that God created, it just said God looked at it and thought and said it was just good? But on the day that he created man, he said, ah, this is very good. It is the only place. The word very means exceeding. It exceeds or eclipses everything else. So when God created the heavens and the earth and created the sun, which is the most powerful star that there is in the atmosphere, God said, but when I made man out of the dust of the earth, it far exceeds that. Why do you think when Joshua was at war, he prayed and said, son, stand still. It was subjected to him. And the sun stood still. And they were able to win the war. Why? Because when God made you and I, he gave us dominion and authority through his spirit for miracles, signs, and wonders to happen over and have authority over the things that are subject to us. So everything also that it says scurries on the ground, slithers, is subject to us as well. That means the devil. So when we start walking out in the world and we walk like we're insecure and inferior to certain ideologies, doctrines, and, and ideas and the culture, we're walking around like they have the ability to stump us out when God said, no, 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 no. I created you in my image and I let nothing have the power over me and anyone in my likeness. See, Outside of Christ, we have the identity of a sinner because we've not been forgiven. That's the only difference. We're not better than anybody else. We're just forgiven. But when you're forgiven, there's a confidence that comes inside of you. There's a boldness that comes inside of you. There's a purity that's established in your life. You don't feel guilt and shame. You feel empowered and blessed. And you're able to face things. And you're able to stand up for what's right and do what's right despite popular opinion. <sighs> Forgiven. That makes all the difference in the world. Come on, Haley. Forgiven. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. I, I, hallelujah. I feel the grace of God in my life because I've been forgiven. I don't even deserve to be up here, but guess what? I've got a clear conscience because I have been forgiven. I want you to remember this right here. When you see what God sees, you talk like God talks. And when you talk like God talks, see, you release spirit and life. What's affecting a lot of people right now in this world is that they're walking in this world without the influence of God. And they're, being, they're just being influenced by their own feelings and own emotions. When there's a faith in God and a place in God, if they look in the word of God, the perfect law of liberty, and allow the spirit of God and read it prayerfully, the word of God is not just, isn't a storybook. It's not just a, a, a documents of, it has documents of history. It is the very examples that God placed, how he interacted with humanity to give us revealing secrets and understanding that if he did it for them, he can do it for us. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? When you're forgiven, you've taken the limits off because God wants you to see yourself higher than your own perspective. You're blessed. You're highly favored. You're the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are rich in Christ Jesus. 
you have the ability to walk at a new level in your life. I have, I, I, I know that personally in my life, I feel like I have limited God in certain areas. But the more I go to the Word of God and the more I become transparent and look at that from a relational standpoint, not a religious one, I see opportunity after opportunity for me to conform to God so He can prove Himself to be real. God is real. We need to give Him a chance. We need to agree with Him. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning and will you just lift up your hands? And surrender to him and make a devotional, make this a devotional moment, a moment just to devote yourself to him and tell him, Lord, I'm going to look into the word of God and know that I, I have opportunity to be changed. And I'm going to, I'm going to see myself in the mirror as someone who's forgiven. I, I know I'm not better than anybody else, but God, I'm not going to overlook the fact that your blood is so powerful, that your grace is so sufficient, that God, I have access to anything according to your needs, my needs in, in heaven right now, Father. You have every resource available to me in heaven, in heavenly places that you can supply. You see, God may not drop something physically on you, but he will create the avenues to come to you. Because when you create inroads in heavenly places, God creates those same inroads in the physical world. But unless you know who you are, you can't access, access what God has. When the prodigal son came back home, the father said, go get the fattest calf. Go get the biggest cow we've got. Go, go get the ring, get the robe, put it around my son. He, he, was, he was lost. He was dead, but now he's found and he's alive again. And I'm going to restore him. And the other brother said, father, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little jelly. I never had a party. I, I've never been, you didn't have a barbecue for me. Where's my ring? The father said, son, you could have had a party anytime you wanted to. Everything I have is yours. Your problem is, it's your identity. But you notice the words that came out of this son's mouth that was home I didn't have this he didn't do this for me how many times have you said my God I'm, I know I'm why didn't God bless me why can't he do it for me what happened for everybody else why is it going well stop first of all stop speaking that secondly evaluate your position in Christ if it's not where it needs to be then get it where it needs to be fall at the cross and say father forgive me i need a fresh start i need another chance every day you go to god if you gotta ask for forgiveness do it and you'll be forgiven no problem the blood of jesus will take care of it and once you understand forgiveness and mercy and you can allow yourself to be humbled in the presence of god instead of allowing pride to keep you separated and keep stop arguing with God in your spirit. God gives grace on the humble, but resist the proud. Let's humble ourselves right now before we walk out of here. If you've not given your life to the Lord, given your heart to Jesus, do that right now. Just make it your prayer and say, Father, forgive me. God is so real. I, I don't know how else to convey it to you, except don't knock it till you really tried it and put your whole heart into it consistently and say father right now in the name of jesus i surrender my heart i'm going to look at myself from now on father as somebody who is forgiven i am a recipient father of the blood i have royal blood in my veins and i'm going to speak over my life and that's my children's life even over my circumstances concerning your promises and everything that hears my voice everyone who hears my voice it's going to be changed, Father, by the Spirit of God. My circumstances are going to change. My world is going to change because the authority that has the ability to do it is found in you and you are found in me. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let every tongue arise, let every voice arise, let every family member here today 
begin to change their attitude and change their mind and change their perspective and give everyone a revelation and understanding who they are in you. Let us all, God, begin to speak the word of the Lord. And we want good success, not just success, but good success, being in the will of God, accomplishing the will of God. And we will be grateful and we will thank you. So, Father, anoint your people today with the right words in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, lift your hands and tell them, thank you. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Give them a hand clap right now. Tell them, thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.